You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Oh boy, here we go again. Welcome back to the show. Thanks everybody for tuning in, and uh, today we have a really, really cool show. It's uh, one that you guys have actually requested. Today we're going to be talking with one of my good friends, Buddy, from Ozonix, and uh, if you don't know what Ozonix is, Ozonix is a scent elimination device that uh, is supposed to clear your scent. I mean, reduce it uh, through ozone, and uh, I'll let Buddy talk about that uh in the podcast today but uh i tell you what this weekend was absolutely nuts all last week and the reason we only put out uh two podcasts last week was because i was in philadelphia pennsylvania for work i was traveling for work so i was out there all week then i ended up friday (laughs) friday i get to the airport real early expecting long lines and there was long lines Flew all the way back to Iowa, missed or uh, got a couple flights delayed. Get back to Iowa. My son is sick, so Friday, as soon as I got home, I, me and my wife, packed my son up in the car, took him to the emergency room, and we were in the emergency room all weekend long. Uh, got home oh Sunday afternoon sometime, and uh, he was battling pneumonia. So it was uh, a crazy weekend, but I'm glad that I got the opportunity to talk with Buddy, get my mind off all that, and uh, talk a little bit of hunting. Buddy and the rest of the guys at Ozonix, uh, this, uh, by the way, this podcast is awesome. You're going to get a ton of information. And for the guys who are on the fence about this product, if you haven't heard me talk about it already, I'm not going to give my opinion because I want this to be as unbiased as possible, but I will tell you that I do use this product, and that's all I'm going to say. But you make the decision. That's what this uh, this podcast series is all about, You know, me giving you information straight from the horse's mouth, and uh, then you, you make the decision based off of uh, what you like or not. But Buddy and the guys have decided that they are going to give away an HR 200 along with the kinetic 
their new kinetic backpack. Now, the information on how to win that, I'm going to save till the end of the podcast. That way you have to listen all the way through. But uh, you'll get more information out after that. So it's one hell of a podcast. Buddy's a real cool guy, uh, along with all the guys that work for Ozonics. I've, I've known them from almost day one. And uh, yeah, so it's one hell of a podcast. I'm now starting to repeat myself. But before we get into this week's podcast, Matt Klein from Exodus Trail Cameras is going to talk about how the guys at Exodus use their own trail cameras. Well, you know, Chad and I are a little different. You know, I don't know about a lot of the listeners, but we hunt really big woods type areas and the deer that we're hunting probably don't let us get away with as much as, you know, a lot of farmland type deer do or, or Midwest type deer do. Um, but what happens is we have a, we have a theory or a method that we call the wheel of fortune method. And without getting too long winded about that, I'll sum it up in a couple of bullet points, which are one, we are running our cameras for one specific deer at a time. I think a lot of people run their cameras in areas where they're trying to get pictures of deer or pictures of mature bucks or whatever. We are running our cameras for one individual and trying to learn what he is doing. And I think that that goes a long way for, for really trying to pattern and kill a big mature deer. Two would be um, we're using a lot of natural left sign or terrain features. So we're, we're using scrapes, rub lines. Um, terrain features, like I said, saddles, benches, that kind of thing. And then also bedding areas, bedding points in, in the hill country that, that we really think one of these mature deer we're after is using. Um, we're hunting a lot of public land, so we can't do bait piles and that kind of thing. So that's a big part of it. And then the last thing would be, we are not taking the data that we're getting from our cameras and using that in the year that we're hunting. I mean, there are times when that helps. Absolutely. But Typically, what we're finding is that the data that we're getting from our cameras when we're hunting these specific mature deer does not serve us well until the years to come. And when we're really putting that puzzle together, so to speak, and we're trying to go in and figure these deer out, um, we find that three to five years of, of data collection is really what it takes to put a big mature buck in the big woods down. If you guys want to find out more information about Exodus Trail Cameras, and I strongly suggest you do, go ahead and visit ExodusOutdoorGear.com. And now let's get into this week's podcast. All right. On the show with me now is Buddy from Ozonics. How's it going today, Buddy? It's going great, Dan. How are you, brother? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Now we go back, uh, me and you go back quite a quite a a long ways. Um, and, uh, before we, before we get, uh, started talking about this, uh, it, you know, doing this podcast and talking about Ozonics, um, why don't you tell the listeners what it is that you actually do f for Ozonics? Where do you live and, and all that stuff? All right. Well, you know what? I, I've been with Ozonics since it was just an idea in, in the founder's head. Scott Elrod is actually a, a, a close personal friend of mine that and we used to, to hunt together, and uh, I, we both lived down here in, te in Texas. At the time, we both lived in Lake Jackson, Texas, which is south of Houston, about 45 miles. And uh, um, over that time, I've kind of done everything for them in the beginning from just, you know, uh, helping with the prototypes and test the prototypes and, and proof of concept. Um, uh, 
up to about a year ago, I, I was made the director of marketing and uh, took over all the res- the marketing responsibilities uh, for for Ozonics, and um, that's that's what I do for them now. Uh, by trade, I'm a I'm a railroader. I'm a I'm a conductor for Union Pacific Railroad, and and uh, so I balance the two um, on a day to day basis. Nice. How was your uh, How was your 2016 or excuse me your 2015 hunting season? Oh, well, that's kind of a tough question to answer, Danny. It was uh, it was my best season ever, and it was my worst season ever, and that that takes a little uh, little explanation. I I uh, I was able to I'd been chasing a specific deer that uh, we had we had experience with last year. Uh, he was a, a high 180s. 11 point just a huge deer he was six and a half years old this year and um he just it's like he had nine lives i I know he was shot at twice with a bow last year by uh by scott and and uh and russell actually had an opportunity with a rifle on him so this year i decided that was going to be my target buck and and i i began chasing him in early october and uh um during that time frame in early November, uh, I'm sitting up on a stand and uh, was actually hunting just a management buck or a doe that might come in and, and happened to have a deer we hadn't seen in a year. We thought he was dead. A big 12-point come in, and uh, I ended up taking him, and he he uh, he went 180, and uh, so that was the biggest deer in my life by far. And, uh, and so at that point, best season ever, right? And then fast forward, I continue to taste it chase deuce and uh about a month later i finally after numerous encounters just never been able to put a shot on him i i had december 16th i had the opportunity to 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 uh he came in and i, I put an arrow in him and um did not you know it's one of those things with bow hunting it would i didn't uh we don't know if he made it or not. I, I tend to believe he didn't. Um, I, I spent many hours and, and several days looking for him after that. But so at that point, it became the worst season ever. So, gotcha. uh, you know, for us bow hunters, that's always a tough thing to lose an animal, any animal, but uh, especially one that I had so much time invested in and just a beautiful, uh, mature beast. So did uh, has has the story continued on that buck you didn't find? I mean, uh, you got any trail camera pictures of him since the time you shot him? Anybody find his sheds? No, um, you know, like I said, I went back three different times, and uh, myself and Russell and uh, and Scott at one time, and we we spent we spent miles walking and yeah. and looking in areas we thought he might have. Of, of gone and there's been no trail cam sightings of him there was um the boys the the ranch landowners sons were out duck hunting about a week and a half after i had shot him and they thought they seen a big body deer uh walk up through a sendero that was limping and so that could have been him but you know there's uh he was not a shy deer and, and by that i say that that where we had trail cam set up for two years, you know, you, you may go a little while without seeing him, but, but he would always show up and, uh, and just to completely disappear, which I really have my fingers crossed. And I hope and pray that, uh, that David calls me and says, Hey, we got deuce on camera, but, uh, not, not yet. Not yet. Well, that's tough. I've swallowed that pill before myself. So I know, I know, I know the feeling. Well, Ozonics. Um, I mean, it's one of those products that everybody 
I mean, I feel that if you're a hardcore bow hunter, I mean, people, people know about it now. Uh, people are starting to, you know, learn about this product, whether they like it or they don't like it, or, you know, it's one of those products that it's, you know, like, uh, me and you have had the conversation. I'm going to try to keep my opinion out of it because I want people to get all the information straight from you today, but it's one of those products that people definitely have to use in a tree or in a ground blind in order to know and see actually how it works. Um, but before we, you know, get into some of that stuff, it's a very unique product. So let's start at the very, very beginning. Um, in when this was just a twinkle in Scott's eye or what, uh, tell us the background, the history of this product, how it came to be, you know, from the idea stage to like the very first prototype that came out. Okay. So first off, I'd say that, you know, the, the first thing uh, ozone is, is science, right? It's, it's a, it's a chemical reaction that takes place. You take an oxygen molecule and you, you use electricity to split it. And, and these molecules, to keep it simple, uh, they become, when you split it and they attach to another oxygen molecule, they go from O2 oxygen to O3, which is ozone, and, and they're highly reactive in the environment. It's been around for a very, very long time, like over around 150 years. It's been used in all kinds of different applications. Um, we didn't invent ozone. All we did, all Scott did was have this idea um, and we repurposed it and, and built a unit, something nobody had ever done, a portable 12-volt unit you could take to the field. And, and I'll get into that a little, bit, a little bit more why that's important. But um, So Scott's a dentist um, by trade, and he uses these large ozone machines in his dental office because um, when you go to the dentist and sometimes they cauterize blood vessels um, in, in, a, in your mouth when they pull teeth to stop the bleeding, and Scott, part of, you know, nobody likes to, to smell burnt flesh, quite honestly. And it's already an uncomfortable uh, situation anytime you go to the dentist for most people. And so he would use these machines because when you cauterize the burning flesh, the ozone in the air destroys the smell. There's no odor. And he was doing that one day. He has a, I'm just a passionate elk hunter. And he was sitting there working on his patient and, and realized, you know what, that I, I, don't, I don't smell this burnt flesh at all. It's this pungent odor, and it's completely gone. And even though he had this, you know, this intellectual understanding of, of ozone, now all of a sudden there's this, there's this true, deep, I, I get it, right, this aha moment, for lack of a better word. And he began to ponder on the idea, well, if it can knock out odors that strong, what can it do with just the simple, the, the odor of me in the field? How do, I, how do I use that? And so the original concept began to bounce around in his head, and that was probably around 2004. And uh, we were actually on a pig hunt in East Texas, and on the way back, he's like, hey, I, I've had this idea, and he, and he shared it with us. Um, and this idea um, began to grow, and over the next couple of years, we, I mean, it I honestly remember hunting in Oklahoma in 2005 with him. We had a we had a little deer trip up there, and it came up again. and And uh, he had talked about maybe filing for a, a patent or um, just more discussion. And then Christmas of 2006, we had just got back from Oklahoma again, 
And uh, a couple of weeks after that, I get a phone call and he calls, he says, Hey, can you meet me out of my house? And so we go out there and he's like, Hey guys, we, we're there, you know, we, we've, uh, we've got some prototypes built um, and we need to, we need to go out and test them. We need to see what they can do. Now, in the beginning, our thought was the same thought that almost every product in the hunting industry revolves around when it comes to scent control. It revolves around the odor you produce. How do I keep Dan clean, right? How do I reduce his odor, trap his odor, destroy the odor on him? And we, in the beginning, we felt the same way. We, we create ozone. We know ozone destroys odor. So we need to create a situation where we shower ourselves for, for, with ozone or create um, a, a, an area. So we, uh, a buddy of ours had a ranch out in Uvalde, Texas, and we made arrangements to go out there in January uh, to just see what it'll do. So our, here was our, our plan. Our plan was very simple. We would build brush blinds only so there would, have, there would be no hard-sided blinds, no soft-sided blinds. It would just be pure brush. We would sit on the ground and we would wear normal clothes, cotton. If it was camo, it was just normal cotton camo, blue jeans. Um, we would sit on the ground and we would set up. So, you know, typically in, in South Texas, that time of year, you either have a southerly wind or if a front's come through, you have a northerly wind. It's, it's usually pretty simple. So at the time, we had a pretty good front come through. We set up so the wind was coming out of the north, so it was blowing um, our wind would blow straight at the animals. So, and then we would use corn to create a, a reason for the animals to show up. And, and most of us would run that corn right to the bush we were in. And then we would film and see what we could do. And we had puff bottles because we wanted to try to show wind direction. And <laughs> these original prototypes had, we had to use motorcycle batteries, 12 volt <laughs> motorcycle batteries. And so you had this, you had this 10 or 11 pound battery and you had leads, little, just like a jumper cable lead. And it went to this little square unit that had a rheostat on it and a button to turn it on and off. And we couldn't figure out um, how we were going to get them to hang in the bush. So we went to a tractor supply and we bought some horse pin uh, hot wire posts. They're just black posts that you can stick in the ground, and we cut the tops of them off, and we we took some uh, bags that we bought at uh, at a little at like academy, and we cut them open, stuck the units in there, duct taped them back up, run the leads out, and we would hang them on that bag, turn them on, and there was I think there was five or six of us, and so each one of us would set the unit on a different rheostat level so we had levels from one to ten and we would set them on different levels to try to find out what's the minimum effective amount and we went out there that first day and literally i crawled in my brush blind and the guy shoved brush behind me and i get set up i turn it on and uh i've got it literally showering down on me and uh you know light it gets a little light and i have a i have a young eight point come in and we we still have this film it's just pretty awesome have another 10 point come in, but this, this young eight point, probably a three and a half year old deer, he starts eating corn at, at the pile. But again, the wind's blowing straight at him and I'm filming. And eventually this deer gets within about four feet of my feet. 
and he's eating, and I, he gets so close that one a couple times when he looks up at me and he he checks the wind, you can literally see his, his you know his mucous membranes inside there open and close, and you know, either lick their nose to to hydrate it so they gather more odor, and he couldn't smell me, and I I'm just freaked out, blown away. I never had a deer that close to me in my life, and it was neat because when we all got back to the camphouse later that day we had similar, everybody had similar experiences and video to back it up. And so that was the, the true, Hey, we, we might really have something here. Um, and, uh, so we, you know, Scott pursued it and, and pushed it a little bit further. So we went from prototypes to an original uh, production unit. We called the HR 100. And our first show was, it would have been like the Texas trophy hunter show in 2007, a consumer show. Um, and of course people looked at you like you were absolutely insane. You're selling, you know, snake oil, which is brew. They, right. um, never heard of ozone and, and could not, um, understand the concept. And, uh, obviously we probably weren't very good at, at explaining it, but, um, the HR 100 was very effective, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't really conducive to a hunting environment in the sense that all of us are concerned about what we carry to the woods and yep. to carry another item, uh, you, you know, you really you really have to it has to be portable. And this thing weighed about five and a half pounds. Yep. Big square box. Um, but with that being said, it was it worked so well. I used to carry two of them, believe it or not, to the to the woods with me. I I loved them, but. Um, we definitely knew that um, we needed to evolve that product. And so that was late 2007 and you fast forward to 2010 and uh, we, those couple of years, we worked feverishly on reducing the size and weight of the unit and creating something that uh, a unit that would, would produce the same results as the HR 100, but be highly portable um, use lithium rechargeable batteries and, and be a, a very robust um, piece of equipment. And uh, so we introduced the HR 200 at the Matthew show in late 2010. And that's the, the product that most people will see have seen or have experienced up to um, this year. And, and obviously we have some new products this year that I'm, I'm very, very excited about. So, Let's talk a little bit about, and I have so many questions for you, but let's talk a little bit about the actual science again, right? You've already explained uh, that, you know, the oxygen, the O2, and then you would introduce it to an electrical charge and it would create O3, the ozone. And that particular molecule is what does the... um, is, is, is what is the scent elimination portion of that. What does it actually do? What does the O3 actually do to, and is it an object? Is it another molecule that has scent on it? What's, what's the process there? Well, literally what happens is it, it, oxidation. I mean, you, you guys have heard of it. Um, you, you've seen car hoods, uh, you know, years ago when the paint wasn't as good as they are now on cars that, and they would fade and begin to peel. And that, that's oxidation from UV light created by the sun. Sun, it, it's a powerful, powerful um, chemical 
And what happens is it, it literally destroys airborne particulate. So human odor is bacteria. And when bacteria is introduced to ozone, ozone completely oxidizes it and destroys it, literally. Um, that's why you see a, um, certain uh, react to certain metals very strongly. It's, it's actually more powerful than chlorine and bromine. Those are two chemicals a lot of people would be familiar with. But um, ozone itself in its purest form is more powerful than those things. In fact, um, there's a lot of companies that when people have a fire-damaged house or a, uh, a water-damaged house where they have this mold and mildew smell or a very smoky smell, they roll in giant, huge ozone machines. And, um, and obviously, they produce so much ozone that you have to, you have to quarantine areas and get people out of there. They're, they're huge. But what they do is they bring those in to literally kill those smells and, and, and to annihilate that. So even if there's dust, smoke, if, if you introduce smoke into uh, a room full of ozone, cigarette smoke into a room full of ozone, all the smoke would immediately disappear as these millions of O3 molecules, they're, they're active, right? And they're trying to reattach and get back to their normal state. And so they attach to whatever they can. And in this case, if it's smoke, they attach to smoke. If it's your breath, if it's the sweat, any odor being released by you be, or on you if the ozone touches you, anywhere it's at, it reacts with that other, that other molecule and destroys it, literally. Okay. Now, back to, I guess, the evolution of this. You guys, you know, you said you went to a couple deer shows and you're trying to spread the word about this product. Um, and this was before the rebranding portion of it. And I'm guilty when I said, you know, I instantly thought this product was a gimmick and it's like, why do I need one of these? And I, and, you know, af from speaking with you in the past, that's one of the biggest hurdles you guys as a company had to get over. How, how are you able or what, what's something that you want to tell all these hunters about this product and, and maybe why it is so good and why it actually works and, and all those things? Well, again, I, I touched on it briefly earlier, and I, I probably should have expounded a little bit more as I as our, through our history there. But in the beginning, like most other products in this industry, I, we felt like we had to keep ourselves clean. But what we came to quickly realize, and, and over time, what I've come to learn from hunting now for you know almost 10 years with ozone in so many different environments, so many different animals, um, is that it doesn't matter what you smell like, Dan, or what I smell like. It only matters that what the odor I release into the air, that that odor never reaches the animal. And what makes us unique to any other product out there is the fact that what we do, for lack of a better word, is clean the air between you and the animal. You, we, it, and, I'll, and you'll hear me say this a lot, and I'm sure you have, is, is that if, if I'm using ozone on me, if I'm pouring ozone on me, I'm wasting, I'm wasting my concentration of ozone. Hunting with ozone is all about time and concentration. I need to produce a, a high enough concentration of ozone and keep it mixing with my odor for long enough that one of three things happen. Or, or really two, of, two things happen and they create the third. 
A, either all of my odor is completely eliminated and the animal will never smell me. B, my odor so it is, mixes with the ozone and as it passes through my concentration of ozone, it is molecularly altered to the point that if it's not completely destroyed, what reaches the animal is no longer recognizable to the animal as human. And third, through that combination of those two things, the elimination and alteration of my odor, I, I reduce it to the point that if a full-blown odor molecule reaches that deer, what he gets it, it has been reduced to the point that he thinks as a the danger point, the human he's smelling is 400 yards away instead of 22 yards away. Okay. So these are the three things that happen. So the, it, the science of ozone is undeniable. Again, we didn't create that. It's, it's like math. Two plus two is always four. Ozone always destroys human odor. Now, so that means that when we step into the, the hunting environment, if, it's, if, if it fails, it's an application failure or it's a mechanical failure. So, so now we back up and say, is the unit working? Yep. Is it producing ozone? Yes. Okay, now it's an application error. Just like, so, so it becomes very, very important how I apply the technology. It's no different than if you tried to shoot your bow upside down, wouldn't work very well, or shoot an arrow backwards. If you don't use your unit correctly and set it up correctly for the hunting situation, then it's not going to be as nearly as effective as it should be. And so that becomes a huge part of this learning curve of hunting with ozone because it is different. A lot of people haven't experienced that. But so what I would tell them is, is two things. A, it's science. Ozone always destroys human odor. B, there is a learning curve. But when you get up there, what you will find is that, that, there are very few products in this industry that, that will do what, what Ozonics will do. Almost every product is designed to maximize the opportunity that exists. Very few create opportunity that didn't exist before. And, and when you start in, to hunt with ozone and begin to understand how to effectively use it, you reduce your odor footprint. You can hunt smaller plots of land for longer time. You can hunt the same stand without burning it out. You don't educate young animals. I mean, we're always concerned about educating that mature buck we're after, and, and we forget about this yearling that we that repeatedly busts us, right, or these doe. And that someday that yearling buck is going to be a five-year-old buck. And so there's so many things that as you begin to understand how to apply this science to your regular hunt routine that will help not only maximize the opportunity you already have, but create new opportunities that just simply wouldn't exist without it. So now is this, is this product a product that can stand alone and work without any other scent control regimen? Or would you also recommend, a, 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 you know, your, your sprays, your washes, your, um, you know, your gels, your, you know, sprays on your boots, all those other, you know, would you would you recommend using this in conjunction with the other scent elimination products on the market? Well, so so again, a very a, a very tough question um, in the sense that it requires a lot of explanation. Um, so, 
Can it stand alone? Absolutely. I have used the, I have used the unit many times in many situations when I had no time, a either no time to to go through a pre-hunt scent control regimen, um, and and simply you know for instance I've sat on the edge of a field I've hunted all morning and what I've realized is look guys you know I got to pull this stand set down and I got to move it over there and we got to set back up over there because we're just in the wrong spot. And, and when you do that, you get hot, sweaty, stinky, and there's no time to go back, change clothes, shower, and do these things. And I, and I do it with confidence. In a, in a ground blind, what, what you can do with an ozonics in a, in a soft-sided blind or a hard blind, it will blow your mind. It, it, but in an open-air environment, again, it's time and concentration. And so, so now, with that being said, is it, can it stand alone? Absolutely. But if I have the time to go through a, a pre-hunt scent control regimen, reduce deodorant on my clothes, cleanse my clothes, take showers, do these things, what I do is I reduce the amount of residual odor I release into the air, which means what? I can, the amount of time and concentration I need to destroy, alter, and reduce, it, it doesn't have to work as hard. I increase my odds of success. Now, so sprays, um, treating your clothes, clothing, I call all of these things passive scent control because in a perfect world, the second you step out of that truck, let's say you can put on a brand new set of, of scent garments and you can spray down right there. Your, your passive scent control at that point is, is the, the greatest it's going to be at any point at the rest of the hunt, right? Right there at the side of the truck. And as you begin to walk, that passive scent control begins to degrade. So as time goes on, it becomes less effective, period. That's, that's just the way it works, unless you constantly spray, constantly spray, or you could change your clothes over and over. With ozonics, you have active scent control. And the neat thing with ozone is, again, is it, it, when it encounters an environment, it begins to sterilize that environment. So there's actually the opposite effect in a perfect world in your tree stand. If, 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 it, if it was in a vacuum, you would act, your ability to kill odor would actually climb, not degrade. So there is a big difference between passive and active scent control. However, I think the two do complement each other because my, if my passive scent control is good and I have time to do it, it reduces the amount of ozone I need to, to completely um, destroy, alter, reduce my scent to the point that I that I'm successful every time, and and helps me counter certain environmental challenges like high winds or high humidity situations. Okay, so someone buys an Ozonics, how should they? You know, you you've given the tree stand, given a tree stand, or given a ground blind. How should someone properly use an Ozonics? So again, I, we talked about it earlier. Proper application is the key thing. It's it's like all of the hunt preparation me or you and the rest the rest of the listeners go through when we're setting up on a certain animal. We 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 study the terrain. We study wind direction. We study ingress egress points, the bedding areas, and all. This is no different. The more you use it, the more you begin to understand the effectiveness and and how to use it 
the, the easier that will become. So a couple of, of high-level pointers. In an open-air environment, we'll call it a tree stand. Um, the first thing you're going to do is, is once you get in a tree, you get set up, um, you're going to determine wind direction. So, because you all, the only place you need to worry about an animal smelling you is the downwind direction. So determine wind direction, put in your tree mount um, or racket strap mount, whatever it is you, you have, um, eight to 12 inches above your head in, a, in the downwind direction, the unit, turn it on in an open air environment and place it into the boost mode, meaning you're producing maximum amount of ozone that unit can produce. Tilt the angle of delivery to about a 30 degree angle in a, in a wind environment that I would say is somewhere from four to 12 miles an hour. If it gets lower than that, well, obviously most of your odor is, is being captured and, and dropping to the ground very quickly. So you also need to create, you need to push your, your ozone or deliver your ozone to the same area your scent's going. That's always the critical piece. If the wind shifts on you, I, you have to do what you, what I call chase the wind. And so you have to kind of be cognizant of what the wind is doing all the time. Um, something I've done uh, over time, but typically my bow is, is in my line of sight a lot of times, and I'll take some, some fiber, cotton fiber, and I'll stretch it out to about eight or 10 inches, very, very thin light, and I just wrap it around the string of my bow, and I can watch that string shift direction. And, and obviously, if I'm not paying attention, that to, on my face, I can, I can catch that, but so you always have to be conscious of the wind. And as the wind either drops below three or four miles an hour, I'm going to change that angle of delivery on my unit to about a 90-degree angle. And if it gets up over, say, 12, 11, 12 miles an hour higher, same thing. I'm going to change the angle of delivery, and I'm going to try my best to force that concentration of ozone as close to me as possible. The other thing I will do in higher winds is I will drop that entire unit down to as close to me as I can possibly get it without interfering with me drawing my bow and, and physically hunting and to, to counter that environmental challenge. Time and concentration. You don't direct ozone. What you do is deliver ozone. You deliver ozone to the wind stream, which is the same place your odor is going. And what you want to you want to create a situation where that you, you keep it there long enough Again, that that odor encounters as much ozone as possible. It's either all eliminated, altered, or reduced to the point that the animal thinks you're much further away than you really are. So you talked a little bit about wind speed, but what about wind direction? So, again, wind direction, the, the critical piece here is always downwind. So if, if the particular stand you're in, um, let, let's say you had the, the perfect wind for it, right? And, but you know there's a front coming, and you know the wind's going to shift 180. But we all also, most of us know that deer movement accelerates right ahead of a front. Um, we have a lot of opportunity, um, and that might be our only chance, whether it's our last day, whatever it may be. If I go into that stand, I'm going to set up, and obviously the wind's in my face, and I've got my unit blowing behind me because that's where the wind's blowing. That's where it's taking my odor and I need my odor to encounter ozone. But as this front comes through, the wind's going to shift and it shifts 180 degrees. And now it's blowing straight down into my target area, my, my lane, my shooting lane. 
I'm going to completely spin my unit 180 degrees, and now I'm going to be be blowing ozone straight into my shooting lane down in front of me. Um, so if the wind were to shift from my right to my left, I'm going to reach up and I'm going to move my unit to the left, always in a downwind direction. Because again, what you have to do is ensure that you're clean, that you are cleaning the air between you and the animal. Nothing else matters as long as you can keep that area clean. Okay. So if that wind, if that wind is shifting in the tree stand, are you also actively shifting the unit to follow where the wind is is coming from absolutely you chase the wind and again that's where i we we on our new we have a uh we have a, a additional mounting arm that we uh came out with a couple of years ago and it gives you a third point of articulation it makes it very easy to reach up in two fingers you can move that entire unit it also allows you every tree is different and and that mounting system also allows you to begin to wrap around the tree and position and articulate that unit to deliver your ozone exactly where you need it, when you need it. Okay. All right. So, and then, so that's tree stand hunting. What about ground blinds? So ground blinds an interesting thing too. Like I said, um, the things you can, can do in a ground blind with an ozonics are amazing, but a couple of, of pieces here, a lot of people will be like, well, I don't want to breathe ozone. And I'll go back to what I said earlier. I don't want you breathing ozone either because if you're breathing it, you're wasting it, and you don't have your you don't have your setup correct. Anytime you smell ozone, um, except for that, every time you know sometimes a wind will swirl, you may get a little bit of it. But if you're smelling ozone all the time, your setup's incorrect. And so, in a ground blind situation, a couple of things you're going to do. The first thing you're going to do, again, like always, determine wind direction. And the neat thing with a blind, with the way the windows operate, you can create what I call a chimney um, and a flu situation. I can create and direct wind flow through a ground blind. So if I have a, I have a wind that's coming from my right to my left, what I'm going to do is I'm going to crack a window high on the right-hand side, and I'm going to blow, I'm going to create airflow into the blind. At that point, on the opposite side of the blind, a little lower, I'm going to create, I'm going to crack a window and I'm going to, and that's where I'm going to create airflow out that window. So, so now that I've got my setup, I get in determined wind direction and then I'm going to work to create airflow high side, low side, the low side is the exit. So all of that wind in there, just like a chimney. And when you create a fire in a, in a fireplace, you adjust that flue to create. So the wind sucks in the chimney and out the roof. Same thing here. I want the wind coming in a window and out the opposite window. And out of that opposite window, I'm going to position my unit in such a way that I hyperosonate that exit. And as the neat thing is you constrict the airflow, right? I'm literally directing where my odor goes. And, and now I'm also hyperosonating that, that restriction. And so at that point, I'm not, all of the ozone is exiting through there. All of my odor is exiting through there. And nothing, I, you know, I will never say anything's a hundred percent, but that's as close as you can get right there. It's, a, it's absolutely amazing what you can do. Okay. And the principle works in any type of blind. Hard-sided blinds, the challenge, because there are so many different ones, is mounting systems. And we, we're working on some new mounting systems. I know uh, um, Redneck Blinds has a really neat setup for, for our units um, in his blinds. So there, there's options out there. But the critical pieces, wind direction, create airflow, and then ozonate 
the exit. All right. Now you mentioned uh, briefly about breathing it in. If you're breathing it in, you're you know something's wrong. And before this podcast, I went online to you know look at some reviews and what people have to say about the product and whatnot. And everywhere I go, I there's one guy, and he always says, "O3 is poisonous. It's corrosive, and I'll never use it." Why? Why should we not listen to that guy? Well, I, I mean, so a couple of things. You know, in in high concentrations, like I said, if you were to lock yourself in an airtight room and turn the unit on, and, and at some point it would read, it would reach a level of toxicity. It would reach a level that is harmful. But I can do the same thing with oxygen. I can do the same thing with with a lot of different things. We breathe oxygen all day long. However, you, pure oxygen in high concentrations will kill you. It's no different with ozone, right? Um, and uh, ozone, all, our ozone meets all the EPA standards in open-air environments. Again, you never, ever use it in a sealed, airtight environment. That's not what you do while you're in there, okay? If you happen to... to what you will experience, and again, it's a time-weighted average, and it takes a very long time to create concentrations of ozone with our unit that would be harmful even in a sealed environment. However, again, you always just want to – it doesn't even – for a hunting purposes, you should never um, – you're wasting it if you're breathing it or using it on you. So, but what you will experience, and it's dry eyes, scratchy throat. You get dry eyes or scratchy throat then you know that, that you're breathing ozone. Simply reach up and shift or reposition your youth. Okay. There you have it. Now, let's talk about products now. Okay. Um, you've, you know, we've, over the years, you've, uh, you know, that we talked a little bit about the evolution of uh, the, the product and the science and how it's harnessed and whatnot. But now, you guys have come a long way from the basically the VCR is what I or the VCR is what I called the very first unit that I ever used. But uh, um, but now you have the HR 300. Um, talk a little bit about the HR 300. What's new from last year's or the the, the previous models and uh, the benefits of that? Well, the, you know, the HR 200 has always been our workhorse and it, it absolutely an amazing machine. But what we've, what we've been working on was, um, we had this desire to create a machine that was a, that it, the form factor, the footprint is almost identical, but, but when you hold it ergonomically, um, it, it, it feels smaller despite the fact that it is almost an identical size, maybe even slightly larger, but it feels smaller. It looks smaller. Um, it, it fits in a guy's hand better. The other thing was is that ergonomically, the battery, you, you can use it with gloved hands. The, the, the knobs and buttons are very easy to, to figure out in the dark, so you don't have to use a light when you're setting it up or tearing it or pulling it down, tearing your setup down. Um, so just from an ergonomic factor, we wanted to build something that was more user-friendly in a tree stand environment or, or a true hunting situation. Um, so, so we made it easier to use in the dark and, and in the cold. Number two, um, I talked about environmental challenges earlier. 
Um, and the only way to overcome some environmental challenges is very simple. I have to increase the amount of ozone I produce in order to keep the concentration I need high enough. And so there were certain situations that the only answer to that environmental challenge was two units in the past. Well, um, we were able to, to um, produce about 45% more ozone um, in the boost mode with the 300 than the previous 200 models. And that's, can, that, that's really a, an important factor again, because just like I said, in certain environmental, environmental situations, high winds, high swirling winds, now I have the concentration I need to overcome those. I, I create, I, I give myself more cushion now in those environments. Um, the other neat, really neat thing um, is, is the, the new battery charger system in the 300, I, for lack of a better word, we call them a smart battery, smart charger. They, 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 they talk to each other. They both have um, chips uh, themselves and they, they, so they charge more efficiently and they increase the life, the overall life of the battery um, from a cycle standpoint. Um, they call it reduced granularity. I, I'm not an engineer. One of our guys, Nathan or Stacy, can explain that much better than me. But basically, what it was that was explained to me was is they talk to each other, and that reduced granularity allows them to just be much more efficient. Um, and then. A neat thing we've introduced this year is we talked about passive scent control. And on our 300, we have what we call a dry wash mode. And when that dry wash mode is mated with our new dry wash gear bag, um, that for a guy, no matter where you're at, you don't always have access to a washer and dryer. In a remote hunt camp or base camp, whether you're chasing elk in Wyoming or you're, you're simply um, at a, a, a remote deer lease in, in, on public, or you're on public land in, in the Upper Peninsula in Michigan. Um, you don't have electricity. You don't have access to, to facilities to wash your clothes. We, we've created the dry wash mode that is, and the dry wash bag that, again, are ozone delivery platforms that are correctly designed to deliver ozone to cleanse and purify um, your clothing. And so that's a really, really neat addition to that product. Okay. Now I want to talk a little bit. This is an electrical product. Um, yep. And, you know, obviously moisture and electricity don't go together. Um, can this product be used in really humid weather? Can it be used in rain? What, uh, what, what do you have to say about that? Well, again, um, it's a high, it is a highly sensitive uh, of an electronic product. And, um, you know, anything more than a heavy, heavy fog or mist, you, you need to pull it down and, and protect it. Uh, light snow, it, if you've got that angle on it, you should be okay. But anytime, if there's any fear that moisture is going to get inside of the unit. Obviously, we, we constantly strive to build our units as weatherproof as possible, but you're making electricity, and, they, and you physically have to force air that comes, ambient air, through the unit over a, the, the coronal discharge to split these, and so there's no way to completely seal that from the elements. And... So again, in, in a situation where if you believe that it's going to get moisture in it, go ahead and pack it up and protect it. But in, in 
you know, again, heavy fog um, and, and even light snow, you can get away with using it. Just pay very, very close attention to, uh, to what it's doing. Another thing about, uh, you know, this is an electronic device. It needs a battery. Um, batteries need to be charged, like you mentioned earlier. How long... I know there, you have different settings on this uh, HR 300, but what is the if I was to go into the timber and run, you know, plan on sitting all day? What is the battery life um, of one of these? And uh, then uh, also, how long does it take to recharge that battery? So the the battery life on the the HR 300 battery, the standard battery, you're going to get five hours of runtime in standard mode. If you use boost mode, like we talked about for um, the open air environments, that charge time or that runtime is going to be reduced to about four hours. Um, now we offer as an as an optional accessory, so that standard battery will come with every unit. We offer an optional accessory at what we call an extended life battery that will double those run times. So you would get 10 hours in standard mode, eight hours in boost mode. So if it, for that guy that truly is going to have an entire all-day rut hunt set, he's going to need an XL battery, or he would he would have to have the ability to you know carry two standard batteries in with him. Or, or to uh, obviously recharge before going back out. Um, and then full charge time on that battery. So if you, you have a literally a zero charge on it, it's about a six hour charge time on that battery. Okay. So, so that, that would be to a full 100%. With a lot of lithium batteries, you can, you can run up to a 80% charge rather quickly. And I don't know the spec on that off the top of my head. But the, the, you know, it, the last 20% takes much longer than the first 80%. Okay. So there's a lot of times as far as uh, me, I don't have the ability to run all the way back to an electrical outlet or something to charge my uh, any type of batteries with in between hunts, let's say. But huh? I do have my truck. Do you guys can, – can this be – charged in your vehicle no not at this time and the and the, the the reason being again this is a it create it requires a lot of electricity um high high uh voltage to do what we're doing and it, the the current charge systems um it's just not an option at the moment okay fair enough all right so we've talked about you know, how long it takes to charge, the electrical properties of it and whatnot. Um, now I want to talk to, and this is, this is new for you guys, this kinetic backpack. And why don't you talk to us about what the idea with this uh, kinetic backpack is and how it can be used? So, you know, like you said earlier, for a long time, when I began to fully realize the power of, of ozone, there, me and my buddies used to we used to go to the along the Navidad River and at night we would go hunt pigs and what what you basically do is you know sometimes we would go with bows but a lot of times we may take shotguns right um, and it, if when you're stalking those pigs you can't you don't really if if they get any wind of you they're gone and so 
I started hanging the back, taking that big HR 100 unit and strapping it to my backpack and blowing ozone up over me. So if the wind shifted forward and when we were trying to sneak through those the brush, um, I, I would have ozone mixing with my odor. And so I've been doing this for years, and I got for a long time. I would I, I would take it and use it as ingress, egress into my stand. If the wind was not perfect to get into my stand but I wanted to hunt that stand, I would take a unit. Um, a lot of times I may strap one to my backpack um, or I would wave it in front of me as I walked in if the wind was blowing directly at the stand. And out of that evolved, I mean, I can't tell you how many guys that hunt elk were like, man, you need to make something for when we're chasing elk. And um, which I think is awesome. And, and if, if you look at the kinetic, it's a two piece system. It's a day pack. It's perfect for the whitetail hunter, um, for ingress, egress, for check and trail cams, for, for anything, hanging stands, anything you do. If you, you know, if you've only got a 40 acre farm that you can hunt or a 40 acre plot that's, that is out there, it's very, very easy to educate your animals. And what this does is give you the ability to strap this pack on the upper section, very lightweight, put it on, put your ozonics on, and go out there and, re and reduce your odor footprint significantly. The other thing is, like I said, out west, chasing elk, um, doing those things, getting into a bear stand. It, there's a lot of things, uh, again, you can do that provide scent control on the move, right? And uh, that, that was the theory behind the kinetic pack, and I'm really excited to see uh, what happens this year with it chasing muleys that's going to be incredible so it's just about it's good for this product is good for any animal that uses its nose as a defense mechanism <laughs> absolutely absolutely anything from african plains game to to a big game uh any north american species any animal that uses their nose as as a as a, a sensory detection uh, device that, that, you know, that helps them, uh, stay alive for lack of a better word, this, this will work. Yes. Now you're, you're sitting in a tree stand or your ground blind and a deer walks right through the, you know, comes up downwind to you, your ozonics unit is where it needs to be. What is the reaction that a, a hunter sh should I guess plan to see out of a out of a deer when when it when it hits their nose, and the ozonics is you know they they catch whatever it is that they think they're catching. Well, so so there's, there's I mean there's a myriad of reactions that I've seen over the years um, and experienced dozens and dozens of times, and so it, it's going to vary based on what we discussed earlier. I've seen scenarios. First off, ozone is a naturally occurring element. Every time lightning strikes the ground, it creates ozone. Every time a wave crashes on the, the beach, there's ozone created. And so animals, it, it's, it's, it's in the air and they're familiar with it. Now, the other thing to keep in mind, a lot of people go, oh, that animal smelled the ozone and reacted to it. It's very rare because of the nature of ozone because it reacts with everything in its environment for it to get more than, you know, and it, depending on the wind and what's going on and the amount of contaminant in the air, it, it's, it, you know, to go 20 yards and be at a concentration level that, that 
could affect an animal is very rare. What an animal is going to smell. So he comes in at 20 yards. I've seen animals that if, if I was successful and completely eliminate all my odor, there's no reaction whatsoever. They have no clue. Zero. Now, I've also seen them come in and hit the scent stream and head will come up, but not, not that nervous, oh, my God, that, that there's danger here. Head come up, that curious, what was that? I, that? That's not familiar to me. And that's where I've talked about the human scent. It's made up of, of you know, thousands of different chemicals that make this human odor. And as it passes through ozone, it begins to unravel because ozone begins to destroy it. And if someone that gets through, that animal will smell something, but he doesn't recognize it. It's just like everything has a scent profile. If me or you walk out in the backyard, we smell a skunk. We don't have to see the skunk to realize it's a skunk. We've already have a, a scent profile to say, that's a skunk. Deer, deer are no different. They, they recognize certain odors, and they relate them to something. And human odor, they relate to danger of most of the time. Um, and so you will see them if they get that something they've never smelled before, that curious look. I've had them literally walk into the tree going, what, what is that? What is that? Um, and then there's a third reaction, like I said earlier, where so, some of my odor was destroyed, some was altered, but some slipped through. But it did it in such a reduced amount that when it hit the deer's nose, the deer goes to alert tail up, maybe even turn and, and, and walk briskly three or four yards and stop and stare back and look. They get very nervous. Well, there's no doubt. They smelled me. There is no doubt about it. But they didn't get enough of me to fully blow them up and say, danger, that's a human that's 20 yards away. They might have got, oh, that's a human that's three or 400 yards away. He's still within my safe distance. That's what I call that nervous reaction. That, and there's no doubt in my mind, they smelled a little bit of meat. A little bit of human got through and alerted them. And then there's always the, the fourth reaction. Um, and, and I've had this happen where a deer will hit that scent stream and turn inside out. And, and again, unless I'm that animal, I, I'm, I'm speculating, right? I'm hypothesizing on what I believe is happening here. There are times, whether it was a wind swirl or whatever, but enough of me happened to get through, or, or maybe I didn't realize the wind shifted on me, and I didn't get my unit shifted correctly and provide the right concentration. But what happens is that a deer has walked in, and he's not smelled anything, not smelled anything, and it's equivalent to you walking into a room thinking nobody's there, and I jump out from behind the corner, and I'm right there, and I scare you. So here's a deer at 20 yards. He's looking around. He hadn't seen anything. He's completely calm. And all of a sudden, he gets a big whiff of, of human odor because somehow it slipped through. And at that point, he turns himself inside out. Just like when I jumped out and yelled, boo, at you. He went, how in the world did a human get within 10 yards of me? And I didn't see him. I don't see him. All I know is he's right here, and I'm gone. And, and that, that's a rare reaction. And typically, like I said earlier, that is, a, that is a hunter error because it's either a hunter error, I didn't, I didn't realize the wind shifted on me, or my battery died. There's some explanation for that. Or um, there was an environmental challenge, something in the environment, whether it was a huge gust of wind that blew and swirled, whatever it may be. Um, that, that could create that situation. Most of the time, though, if that was a shooter buck, 
And, and by the time of any of these situations happen, you've had the time to evaluate and make the decision to, to execute a shot or, or let them walk. Great. All right. Price. It's uh, it's the big one here because it's not necessarily what uh, someone would call a cheap product. It's something that, you know, a hunter is going to have to think about, you know, potentially talk to the wife or, or plan for this purchase. What is, and we'll just start with the, you know, the HR 300. What is the, you know, the, the price that we should expect to see in the stores? The price you're going to see on the HR 300 because of the technology and it's going to be um, retail at 499 and that's for the, the unit, the battery, the charger, the mount system, all of that comes with the unit and that, that'll have a one-year manufacturer's warning. Um, now the HR 200, um, it, we have what, what we We've reduced what we call, there is no minimum advertised price any longer on the 200. So you're going to see the 200 fluctuated. It's, it's always been at 399, but we're beginning. I've seen Cabela's run a sale recently at 299. Um, so the, the bow shops are going to have a lot of latitude in what they do with that. So you're going to see the price come down on the HR 200 this mm -hmm. year, but the HR 300 will be 499. And, you know, to go to that, that's initially when a guy looks at that, um, he says, well, wow, that's a lot of money. And, um, and what it goes back to what we talked about earlier. And, and I, I don't want to sound like an infomercial, but I do want to make a point that, that, uh, you know, I spend on a, on a top of the line bow and a full rig. Most guys are going to spend, um, or gal, I mean, my wife's jewel, Matthew jewel rigged out about $1,500. Right. And, but that's, that bow can only take advantage of opportunity that exists. That bow will not create opportunity for me. And when I look at a situation where if, if I travel, for instance, before we actually had ozonics units, I was telling you in 2006, I hunted Oklahoma for the second year we hunted there. And, um, it was, you know, we would save up all, I would save my money all year to pay for this hunt. It was really the, the highlight of my year when it comes to hunting because I, I was like, all right, I get to go to Oklahoma and chase big deer. We get there, and the first day, the wind is out in the north. We had a wonderful front come through a day or day and a half earlier, and we're covered up in deer. Um, in fact, I had an awesome encounter with a beautiful 10-point. I couldn't get a shot on him, but I was like, that's the deer I want. Well, the next day, the wind shifted back to the south, and I watched that deer for the next four days at about 100 yards feeding on the opposite side. My hunt was blown. I, I mean, there was just no way to get on the deer because of the property line and some of that other things. And I could have switched stand locations, but I really wanted that deer. With the Ozonics, I, no doubt in my mind, had I had Ozonics back then, if it, if it had been a product back then, um, it would have changed the entire situation, and I, I would have had an opportunity to take that deer. And so when you begin to look at it in terms of that, there's no doubt the initial purchase is an expense. But when you talk about the ability to, to maximize small plots of land, to maximize, maximize – for, for a guy that has 40 stand locations and 2,000 acres and unlimited amount of time to hunt, that guy can always, always wait till he has the perfect win, right? He can always um, wait and, and – hunt another day but for the rest of us like you me we have jobs we have families we have lives 
um, outside of the industry. And so when I get a week or I get three days and I have, I have a hundred acres to hunt or, or 40 acres or, or 200 acres, whatever it may be, I, I need something that gives me an edge that maximizes what opportunity is there and, and hopefully gives me opportunity that I wouldn't have otherwise if it is a bad wind or if it is a small piece of land. So when it's looked at in those terms, the expense really, really drives itself down. It's also a very um, um, reliable product. You're, you're not, not going to throw it away in a year. So when you begin to factor the amount of hunts you can get in over over the life of the unit, it and you look at it like that per use, um, it it drives the cost way down again. Perfect. So last thing here, um, you know, there's guys on the fence about you know, and, and you've covered a little bit of it. What you just you just actually talked about. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell the listeners about Ozonix? either the, the company, the science, the, the products, the application portion of it that uh, might be beneficial to, to our listeners? Well, what I, what I would say is um, if you guys will look, you go visit our website at ozonicshunting.com, and what you're going to see is a new look, um, new brand, new products, um, and you're going to see a lot of, of uh, educational um and application videos and articles on how to how to maximize uh, not just the use of ozonics but any oxidation technology in the hunting industry and and how to apply it to a lot more situations than just sitting in a, a static location at a tree stand. How could you use it when you're setting your food plots up? When when you need to reduce your other footprint when you're when you're checking trail cams. The other thing is 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 a lot of guys um, you know. There are a lot of uses for ozone. And for instance, at the camp house bathroom, I know we all laugh about it and joke about it. But it's amazing what it'll do in a restaurant. Um, when you cook fish, yeah, man, my, my wife will pull out the, the unit. Now, obviously, the more you use it in other situations, you, you, you reduce the overall life of the product. We do have a refurbishment program, um, but... You know that that's something to take into consideration is uh you know clean clean the spilled milk out of the out of you know the sours in the front seat of your truck we've 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 all done it so that it it's a it's a neat neat product that uh again i i feel like when the, um and, and it, it it constantly reaffirms itself, right? There, there may be, you may go out with it, Dan, and I know you've hunted with it for a long time, but I know there are times at that early stage where you're like, well, maybe it worked, maybe it didn't, I don't know. Maybe that was chance. But there's always these encounters where they, it, that you, it leaves no doubt in your mind what just happened. And, uh, and, and like, again, for lack of a better word, that aha moment where you just go, wow, that animal just did what those animals don't do. And those are amazing experiences. Perfect. Well, buddy, hey, man, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and, and talk Ozonics and uh, give the listeners details on uh, on the product. Well, Dan, man, I, uh, like I said, we've been friends for a while, and I uh, one, your show is awesome. I love coming on. And, I, man, I, I, just a while back, I listened to the Tim Kent show from Elite Archery. It, what a great show. The Maven Binoculars interview, dude, you 
awesome. <laughs> I appreciate what you're doing for the hunting industry, what you're doing for manufacturers, and what you're doing for, for the guys in the field, man. So you're bringing this to them. And, um, so I always uh, appreciate the invite and uh, look forward to talking to you in the future. And there you have it, another podcast in the books. I feel like I say that a lot at the end of every podcast, but we got another one down. And uh, I want to thank Buddy for coming on the show and uh, talking Ozonics with us. I also want to thank you guys, the listener, for uh, tuning in and uh, taking time out of your day to listen to the Gear Podcast, the Hunter Profile Podcast, and any other uh, podcast that we put out. But uh, if you guys want to come on the show and uh, do a Hunter Profile Podcast about a deer, a turkey, uh, elk, or mule deer, or antelope, or any bear or sheep hunt that you've been on, and you've got a cool story you want to tell, let us know. Let me know. Email me at ninefingerchronicles at gmail.com. Also, if you want to review a product, we started a new series recently, and the first one hasn't even launched yet, but um, product reviews. If you have a product that maybe performed or underperformed for you and uh, you want to talk about it, let me know. Same email address, and uh, we'll get you on the show, and we're going to do a product review. Or if you just want to come on the show and you think you have some information about a product that uh, you think I should review, holler at me. Same deal. But uh, again, thank thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate you tuning in. Spread the word. If you like what you're hearing, visit me at iTunes or Stitcher and leave a review. Uh, that would also uh, be very beneficial and I would appreciate it. Also, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, make sure you're following me there. And uh, another really big shout out to the guys at Exodus Trail Camera for uh, helping out with the show. And uh, I think that's about it. Oh, I want to thank my wife for allowing me to spend as much time down my little corner of this basement that I uh, used to record the podcast and uh, I think that's going to do it for today oh I almost forgot the Ozonics giveaway now just like at the beginning of the show the guys at Ozonics are going to be giving away an HR 200 and a kinetic backpack so this is a huge prize and I think it's going to be somewhere around uh, $600 maybe, roughly five to $600 giveaway uh, in product. And uh, if you guys want to win, here's what you have to do. First, you have to go to the Nine Finger Chronicles Facebook page and you have to share the Facebook post that mentions the Ozonics podcast. Then you need to go to the Ozonics Facebook page and comment Nine Fingers Sent Me. And you can say that however you want. Nine Fingers Sent Me. Comment that on the Ozonics Facebook page. Share the Facebook post on the Nine Finger Chronicles Facebook page that mentions this podcast. And uh, by doing those two things, you will have been entered into the uh, contest. And I will pick one winner. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to do it beginning of next week or at the end of this week, but uh, I'll make a post uh, proclaiming the winner. Can't talk right now, but uh, yeah, there you go. So thank you guys very much, and until next time, remember to wear your damn safety harness.